Hello and welcome to Talking Hoosier Baseball. Today is Tuesday, May 9th, 2023. Uh, I'm Carl James, joined by Cassidy Palmer and Chris Feeney. Uh, the Indiana Hoosiers uh, went on the road and swept the Northwestern Wildcats this past weekend. Um, there was no midweek game, so that was the entirety of what we have to cover. Uh, the uh, there was it was quite interesting, including a twelve inning game uh, on Saturday. Uh, so uh, lots of competitive baseball, but in the end, the Hoosiers managed to pull it out and avoid. Uh, the real RPI sting that would have come from losing to an eight-win team, even if it was on the road. But the Hoosiers did it. The Hoosiers are now back in in, in sole possession of second place in the Big Ten um, and are preparing for a, a big RPI away game midweek at Xavier, followed by the big rivalry home series with Purdue this coming weekend. Uh, Chris. Let's get started with you this week. What's on your mind? Well, it definitely wasn't as easy as I thought it was going to be. And I'll put that out there right away. I didn't expect not to be able to hit on Friday night. I didn't expect to be in a nail biter on Saturday or, you know, or an up and down one on Sunday, but we won all three types of games. So I'm going to take it, you know, even if it took (laughs) Carter Matheson four and Northwestern nothing, (laughs) <laughs> or if it took, you know, battling through those extra innings. Oh. I mean, with the tail falling down and needing the great oh. defensive play, the double play, unassisted for Cerny. And it really took a lot. It took a lot to sweep this team. Mm-hmm. And I gave them credit. I give Northwestern credit because they really, maybe it was their Super Bowl. I don't know. They really, you know, we, Kobe Moe. We even got to see Kobe Moe. Yeah. And Kobe Moe did pretty well. You know, I expected him to give it up a little bit like he did at the Bart, but he didn't. And it was it was nail biting baseball, and it, and I didn't think it would be. I, I you know kind of figured we would just kind of take care of them and, and move on. And it was exciting stuff, and and we found different ways to win different ball games as we have the whole year. It really was you know minus the Maryland series like a microcosm of this whole season, where we find different ways to win and. And, and, and we don't, you know, wilt under the pressure and we don't get that heavy head where I feel like we've had sometimes in the past, especially that one year where we just, the bats went away at the end and we just couldn't get it together. There wasn't like a woe is me thing. It didn't happen. They focused, they locked in. They said, you know, we got to get through this and we need three W's and we got three W's. So yeah. I'll take it. Yes. And it wasn't also the, I mean, yeah, the, the strikeouts were up a little bit, but it wasn't like horrible plate appearances, but they were, you know, they were, they were not making contact. They're making, they were making lots of weak contact. And, and to some degree, I take some solace in noting that when things go bad, it's usually weak contact, which in the moment is very frustrating because that's actually, you know, that preserves opponent pitching, which makes that particular game harder. But I think it's also a sign though, that, that the offense isn't completely losing it. They're just not making exactly the right contact. Cass, what's on your mind? Well, I was going to say, going off of what Chris said about not letting the head drop and, and keep it, keeping going. Uh, my first thought was in that second game, uh, because in the fifth inning, uh, IU still had not scored yet. 
And in the bottom of the fifth, Devin had that error that let, let a second run score. Um, wouldn't have ended the inning, uh, but the next next at bat did. Uh, so gave up a run on an error in the fifth. From that point on, he went two for three with two double sorry i have to it was 12 innings i have to look on multiple pages uh two doubles three rbi a walk and what should have been a run score another run scored uh and so even though he was having not the greatest day in the field he had also come close on a a couple of plays that uh he made far more difficult for himself um but he didn't let it affect his at-bats, which is huge from a freshman, particularly as we're coming down the stretch into postseason play. That's what I want to see. The The occasional error, the occasional turf monster, that's going to happen. I want to see how they respond. And Devin responded. He he did his job. Uh, so I, I did want to point that out. Um, and he has such good at-bats for a freshman. Oh yeah, he does I mean, not I, have I, freshman at bats. Yeah, and it's I guess it's one of the things I am actually uh, listening to the the book Moneyball now, and that mm-hmm. was a point that they made in there that that it was that it was that the, the the philosophy that that plate discipline is actually not necessarily a teachable skill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, and uh, Devin Taylor is is proof of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I I did want to bring that up because he did respond very well to a few tough situations where I I don't want to say I would expect freshmen to collapse a little bit, but but two for three with two doubles and a walk, I'll take that. Now I don't like that there were that he he had four at bats after the fifth inning. That's that's not encouraging in, unless we're batting around twice in consecutive innings kind of thing. Like, no, nah, no, I don't want you to have four plate appearances after the fifth. No, thank you. He was uh, part of all those two out rallies though. Cause yeah. it was weird oh, to have much. Glasser and Whalen not come through as much as they normally do. Yeah. When that part of the lineup came up, I feel like it was always with two outs. Right. It oh. was like, and not to put them down, they've had an amazing season, but just in yeah. this series, there was a lot of Glasser gets out, Whalen gets out, yeah. two out rally, and we still score some runs. Three. And a two out rally, and that part of the lineup still comes through. Yeah, you know whether it's Taylor, Tibbetts, yeah, uh, Matheson. Mm-hmm. Really, if you look at it, a lot of our runs through the weekend were with two outs. Yep, and it was with three, four, five in the lineup, and it yep. really was uh, encouraging because you're not always going to get Bobby Whalen <laughs> and Philip Glasser to set the table, even though it feels like they have all year. But in this particular series, they did not. And we still were able to do it with two outs. And I really, I mean, we always say two outs, you know, RBIs are the best time. Well, when you're playing the eight-win team and you can't even lose one game, it's even more important. I don't think it, I think it was late Sunday before we even scored a run without two outs. Probably. uh, If I remember, I think uh, all of Friday, I know it was two outs. Yeah. I think think all of Saturday was as well. And And in fact, on Friday... Not only were all of the RBI with two outs, all of the players reached with two outs. Yeah, yeah, it was, and it was Whalen Glasser out, 
two, three, four, every time, every time. Yeah. It was wild. Yeah. Well, and with Glasser, who would have pegged Northwestern as the team to end his on-base streak? So he exactly ties DeMuth for the record. (laughs) You couldn't make it up. You're not going to think it's going to be them. But it shows you that, you know, your strategy and your game plan, and sometimes it's not going to work out. We said it last week, right? Sometimes you're going to get your ass kicked all weekend. And, and that happened against Maryland. And sometimes your table setters aren't going to come through. What are the big bats going to do? Well, yep. Here's what they did. They scored a whole bunch of two-out runs anyway. Yep. Well, and with Glasser, and again, on that, uh, on that response kind of thing, uh, he, he doesn't reach base in game one. He leads off both games two and three with a hit. Like that, to me, that's a good response. And he was, he was one of the guys in game two. There was some phenomenal defense by Northwestern, far better than I would have expected for a team that's not great defensively on the season. I'm telling you, I think they looked at this weekend just as their Super Bowl, and they were going to do whatever they had to do to just get one. And they, they, might they played have. really well. They did. They played really well. Yep. But we just were able to come through in the situations we needed to. And also remember, they didn't have assistant coaches to start the season. <laughs> yeah. They didn't get assistant coaches to like six weeks into the season. Yeah. So I think that, that that may have a lot to it. It may just be they weren't really ready to ready. play until recently. And that's yeah. why they've done – I mean, granted, they're still last in the Big Ten, but they've, they've at least gotten better. wins in the Big Ten, which they right. have not – they barely had any wins before a conference play started. Right. And, and, even and I mean, then, look at this weekend. They gave up – Two innings of runs on Friday, right? Yeah. Only. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Saturday, we're down two in the eighth. And yeah. Sunday, honestly, was anybody's game. Yeah. Yeah. That did not look like an eight win, eight win team. Yeah. I didn't yeah, feel like – I did yeah. not feel that Indiana was, like, playing down to their level or anything. No. They, they, oh, they looked all. like Northwestern looked like a, a fundamentally sound team. So. Well, no, it was one of those weird ones where games one and two kind of – settled my mind on the pitching like okay maybe maybe it really was just maryland teeing off uh and and that was fluke e uh largely a lot of the the pitching concerns that were starting to bubble were answered in games one and two the pitchers did phenomenally and then in game three the offense responded which which was a little bit of a relief on on that perspective of the offense has been kind of spotty lately. So it was, it was interesting how that played out. Uh, Cause no, to, to go, to go the 12 innings only giving up two runs. Th- that's just phenomenal. Well, that nine made it, that made it 21. Sh- didn't it? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> not no, 12. Yeah. In 21 the first 21 innings how many runs did we give up? 2? Two? 2. Yeah. Pretty I good. Had to, <laughs> math is not my strong suit after 9 o'clock at night. I hate. Well, we threw a shutout in the first game for 9 innings. Yep. And then in the 12 innings of the other game, yep. we gave up two runs, right? Two runs. Yep. So. Yep. I'll take it. And then outside of that first really the first inning, but the first couple, I wasn't too concerned with what was given up 
outside of that on game three. Because uh, there was a little bit a run, a run in the third on a ground rule double and a two out double. It happens. Two runs in the fourth. That one, well, and even with that one, it was a plunk and a home run. Like, yep. And that was the only free pass that scored on the weekend. Well, the only, the only pitcher induced free pass that scored on the weekend. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I'll take that. There were, if I can math, 18 free passes and only one of them came around to score. That I'm good with. Uh, Two runs in the seventh and it was a pair of singles and three singles and an error plus a sack fly. Like, yep, an error happened. Okay. And then the one run in the ninth was a solo shot with two outs. Outside of that first inning, none of the rest of it super concerned me from a pitching perspective. And I think we learned a lot about Reisdorf with the back-to-back saves, you know. Yep. Yep. He's, I mean, we know, we know he's, you know, a a front-end guy on the weekend later. But yeah. that doesn't mean he can't be a back end guy now. Yeah. I, I really like him in that one can maybe push two inning save kind of well, situation. For now. Right. At at the moment, I really like him. I like him, him on spot. some Saturday afternoons too next year <laughs> later oh, on. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean for the for this year, right now, yep. Since since we've pulled we we've seemed to pull craft out of that closing right. role and we've extended him quite a bit. Uh and even Yoho is is throwing more innings overall yeah. than what you would normally see with a true closer. So to have a guy like Reisdorf that you can call on for for a couple of one inning saves, I like that. A guy that you know is going to do it. Yeah, he showed himself this weekend. Absolutely. Yep. If you want to get to the belts, I'll hand him one now. That's up to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> That will work as a perfectly good segue. So, yes. well, so go ahead, go. Chris. Why don't you go ahead and All give right. out the belts this week? Excellent. Uh, for pitching, as I've already alluded to, the Joey Donato one's going to go to Brighton Rainsdorf. Uh, two saves, a one-inning save, a two-inning save, four Ks, just the one run that Cass just mentioned. Yes, solo bomb, it happens. But he really settled both games down. And you don't know you're going to get that from a freshman, right? Cass just raved about our freshman, Devin Taylor. Well, here's a freshman on the mound closing out two games that we absolutely needed. You know, last week I felt like we couldn't have really proved anything this weekend, you know, this past weekend. Like, ah, it's Northwestern. We don't even get a chance to really show what we could do because we're just going to kill him. But we didn't. And, you know, Reisdorf came through. Got the two back-to-back saves, so he gets the Joey Donato Award. For defense, for the Tony Butler, it's going to be Tyler Cerny. I know he's won a few before, but so what? Here's another one. Uh, that unassisted double play is is some really good stuff, and he also had a, a, a excellent weekend with some some stars on the on the score sheet. So Tyler's going to get another one for offense. There was a few choices, but I'll take Carter Matheson for Northwestern zero and give it to Carter Matheson for his Friday night performance. That game has a really different feel if he doesn't go deep in the first inning. I think we might have pressed more, you know, and, and we didn't. And I think without that, you know, tell me that's a scoreless game going late after what had happened in Maryland. But having that 3 nothing, you know, it was kind of reminded me of uh, didn't he hit the bomb in Auburn on Sunday in the first inning, right? And, and just kind of like everybody breathed, yep. you know. 
Um, he doesn't have 15 home runs or whatever like last year. What has he got? He's got eight. I'll take it. He's had some big ones. And he's had some ones that have had let this team breathe, like I said, when they're early and, and just, okay, we'll settle in. So Carter gets the Alex Dickerson Award, Reisdorf the Donato, and Tyler Cerny with the Tony Butler for the Northwestern Weekend. And I want to give out an honorable mention uh, defensive to Bobby Whalen. He also had some phenomenal plays. They were just in lower stakes uh, situations. I've got him with a couple uh, first out of an inning, second out of an inning, nobody on. But those were one. Those were a couple that had stood out to me as as ooh Bobby, Bobby's going for that red belt, and then Cerny's double play, and it was like, sorry Bobby, you lost it. Hey, but if Bobby doesn't make those plays, those could be rallies, right? right? That could have started. Oh, absolutely. So, no, I, I feel absolutely. I definitely do. Well, that brings us to the special guest portion of our show today. Uh, we have a very special guest with us. We have sophomore pitcher Ryan Kraft, who uh, just this week uh, had his longest outing of the year, going uh, 7.1 innings with seven strikeouts. Uh, he actually made the national leaderboard uh, among game score for Saturday's games. Uh, Ryan, welcome to Talking Hoosier Baseball. Thank you for having me. And Ryan, with that... Uh performance this weekend uh you once again uh crept up into the enough innings pitched statistically to count uh, and you currently have the seventh best era in in the country in ncaa division one baseball uh how does that feel coming in as a sophomore returning uh and no, having definitely feels, success? no yeah it definitely feels pretty cool um honestly just gotta keep doing what you gotta do and hopefully move up on that list but if not, you're just keep doing what you're doing, honestly. So right now, uh, now that you guys uh, had a uh, had a had a road sweep, uh, that was uh, uh, pretty good to see. Uh, how's the team feeling? What are, how are you guys feeling right now as you prepare for both Xavier and Purdue? No, the team definitely feels good. Uh, we had a big game tomorrow against Xavier. That'll be huge for our RPI. We get a win there. It'll be really nice. Um, huge series this weekend against Purdue. We owe them one from last year, so. Looking for, everyone's looking forward to the weekend. All right. So can you talk a little bit about uh, just how your role has sort of changed throughout the uh, throughout the year? Uh, you've been extended more and more. We're seeing a lot more innings out of you. So earlier in the year, I was kind of like in the spa of being like the kind of like closer type situation where I was getting like one, two, three innings towards the back of the games. If we were up, I was usually kind of in the game and then Honestly, as the year went on, I just kind of innings kind of kept creeping, creeping up a little bit. So each honestly, each weekend probably gained maybe an inning or two here and there more where I usually didn't. So now I'm kind of like a long relief guy. So that's kind of what my role is right now. And we've kind of seen this through with most of the uh, returning pitchers uh, that that control has been uh, significantly better on your end. You're at. Uh, just over half the walks you had last year and a third of uh, the HBPs from last mm -hmm. year. How has the control evolved and what what's kind of been contributing to that? I definitely think something we've, we've been really working on as a pitching staff is like we have like three pillars of pitching where it's like first pitch strikes, winning like the 1-1 one -one count and just staying out of three ball counts. 
And honestly, just taking it pitch by pitch is what's really helped me, not really thinking too much, just going out there and doing what I can do. So would you say, you know, I haven't really had a chance to ask anybody this particular question, but how has the the newer pitch com system um, impacted you and, and your game? Um, I like it. I do like it. Uh, I know Glant calls it quite a bit and he also gives us a le- little leeway. He calls like, we'll have some times where it's like, you call your own pitch where I'm just working with Pete or whoever's catching. So I don't mind it. Uh, it's, I like it. A lot of times we're on the same, same track and what we want to do with this batter. So it works. I like it. It's not bad. So how does that feedback loop work? I mean, if you're kind of in the middle of an outing and maybe one pitch isn't working as well as you'd like, how does that feedback loop work so that so that you guys are all on the same page and you're getting good effective pitches called? Uh, usually between like innings when our when we're batting and stuff, well, I'll talk to Glant, talk to Pete or whoever's catching, and we'll kind of just like talk about what we want to do the next inning, like what's feeling good, what's not feeling good, like what do you want to start off with these guys. So usually in between innings is where I give a lot of feedback back to Glant and Pete as well and so kind of work through that. Are you getting a lot more um, uh, information on your hitters now, especially as you're getting deeper into Big Ten play? Yeah, we watch video on our hitters. We uh, kind of know where to pitch, where to pitch them, what to pitch them. Um, a lot of it is just playing to our strengths and kind of going against their weakness and you got to throw a strike. So if they hit it, they hit it, but we go against our strengths quite a bit. And usually our strengths outmatch what the hitters got. So it's been working out pretty good. And uh, as you kind of mentioned with Pete being a, a strong veteran catcher and he's been kind of the, the not kind of, he has very much been the primary uh, catcher with Ellis out how has it been uh, especially as a younger guy working with with such a strong veteran catcher oh, I, I definitely love throwing to Pete um, I feel like we're always on the same page a lot which uh, makes things a little bit easier when you're pitching to him he's a great defensive catcher has a great arm knows the game real well knows where to pitch guys what not to do so I really love working with Pete and then uh, can you also talk a little bit about uh, just the team uh, philosophy uh, on holding runners? Um, and, you know, you, you've you've had to deal with quite a bit of traffic and you've done a phenomenal job of keeping that traffic from scoring. Mm-hmm. Um, we really work on just like we hold runners. Um, we pick off a lot, quite a bit. Um, I feel like that's really helped out control the run game. Um, I don't really know how many stolen bases we've given up, but I know it's probably not too many and we're really working on this like being quick to the plate being fast to the plate so it gives a catcher Peter whoever's down there a good time to throw guys out and usually uh if you make a good throw you're fast with your delivery Pete's gonna throw them out so Pete's been a great catcher back there and he's done really well throwing out runners for us yes yes and I I feel like I need to do a I keep track of all the throwovers. Mm-hmm. I feel like I need to need to start doing something with that because those throwovers have been far more plentiful than previous yeah, years. Definitely, definitely. But I think it's I, I think it's helped a lot to control the run game, which has really helped us. Yeah, you you just don't see a lot of attempts. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, and, yep. uh, yeah. And the coach said there's only been one successful steal of third and. Well, there was an argument as to how successful that actually was, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> it was called yeah. safe. But 
with that, uh, that's pretty much all we've got for uh, for you today, Ryan. But uh, we really want appreciate you coming on the show today. That was uh, it's it's awesome to talk to you. Uh, we're really looking forward to what uh, to what you guys are going to do this weekend and seeing you seeing you guys play against Purdue this weekend. No, absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, let's take a little bit of that forward view now. Um, Tomorrow uh, afternoon at three o'clock, uh, Indiana travels to uh, to Cincinnati, Ohio, to take on Xavier. Um, that will be uh, again three o'clock game. That will be on uh, that will be on the radio only for uh, for coverage. There will not be a video feed that we are aware of, um, just radio. Uh, so the uh, iuhoosiers.com, uh, Austin Render, uh, will have the play-by-play there. Um, uh, I am going to be attending that game. Um, uh, I, uh, my understanding is I will not have a place to use my laptop, so that will be uh, social. I'll have updates via social, but I'm not going to be able to do a, an official live blog on that one. Um, and then uh, following the Xavier game, uh, the Hoosiers are back in action uh, starting Friday at the BART final Big Ten home series against rival Purdue. Purdue. Yeah. Hey, Carl, uh, if I can just mention, yeah. Friday is going to be Scott Rowland night. Uh, they're going to give out 250 uh, Scott Rowland like jerseys, you know, like the jersey T-shirts. So if you get there early, you know, you get one of those. On Saturday, senior day is at 1230. So if you want to see the seniors come out and get, you know, honored with their families and, the, you know, you get to frame jersey and you get to make some noise for the seniors on Saturday. And Sunday's Mother's Day. And for the moms out there, don't have a ticket already. If you show up at the game, half price ticket for moms. So I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, and of course, Sunday is the uh, kids run the bases, and that'll be the last one of the year. Uh, it's the last opportunity for the for the kids to to be you know have some contact with the players and stuff because after that we just have the one midweek, and then I think we all understand there's not going to be <laughs> any more home games after that. So. Come out on Sunday. I know, you know, it's Mother's Day. If, if it's something you can make happen with your family, if mom's a big baseball fan, the game is at 12. If you pull off an early brunch, okay, or set this up for Mother's Day dinner, which I am, you can still have a nice day with your mom, even if she doesn't want to come to the ballpark. But, uh, you know, it should be nice. From weather-wise, I saw a little rain on Friday, maybe early, but Saturday and Sunday look pretty good. So it should be a good one. Last weekend at the Bart, it always goes too fast. You know, you always remember opening day and then it's closing day, right? It's just, uh, how is this over already? And I know there's that one midweek, but, you know, for the last weekend and, and playing Purdue, I know the students aren't here and, and, you know, the graduation's over, but this could be a, a community game. We've had plenty of those anyway, so it should be fun. Absolutely. All right. Well, that also means it's time for our Big Ten Pick'ems. Uh, which is continuing to be a very interesting race. Um, Cass has a one series lead over Josh right now, who has a one series lead over myself. And I now have a one series lead. Yes, over. you do. <laughs> I took a shot. I was the only one who had even a chance to make up some ground last week, yeah. but Nebraska could only win one game. So I, uh, I took a shot. It did not pay off. All right. Well, since Cass is in the lead, I'm 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 putting her on the spot to uh, to be the first to announce her picks. Okay. Well, I'll make it. E- I'll I'll go through them, but I'll make it easy enough. Of I'm picking all the home teams. 
I'm picking Michigan yes, over Northwestern. I got two different. Okay, let's go. I'm picking Michigan over Northwestern because while Northwestern did show that they are possibly better than what their current record shows, I don't think they're good enough to win a series in the Big Ten at the moment. Uh, Iowa over Michigan State because Iowa has been very solid lately. Uh, and they're, and I don't see Michigan State beating them at home. I, I, I'm not going to give much explanation on Maryland over Minnesota, but Maryland at home, Maryland on the road, tough to beat. Doesn't matter. Uh, so picking Maryland there, Nebraska over Penn State. And the one that I struggled the most with, I did pick Rutgers over Illinois. That was a very tight one for me. All right. Well, uh, I will then go to Josh's picks. Um, Josh uh, agreed with Cass in all but one. Uh, Josh is going that he that the saying the Spartans will have a bounce back week and will take the series at Iowa. Um, so other than that, he agreed with Cass. Um, I agreed with Cass right down the, the line. I swear I'm not just doing this here on the show. I probably I probably need to make sure I pick first uh, next week just because I keep doing that, and that's not my actual intention. Uh, um, but uh, Chris says he's got a couple different, so Chris. I got two. Okay. All right, so Rutgers, Maryland, and Nebraska, I agreed with Cass, and I guess all of us, right? Is that what we're saying? Yes. Yep. That okay. that is across so the, the board. Yep. Across the board. And then uh, I'm going to go with the Colby Mo effect. I, I got to do it. <laughs> After seeing Colby Mo, well, I didn't see him, but I heard about him. I listened to the ball game. Uh, you know, it, it brought up a little enthusiasm for Colby Mo, and I'm going to take him to win the series against Michigan. Colby Mo versus two sellouts. I'm going to take Colby Mo. Uh, that's how I'm going to do it. And we do need to get Josh Fegley off that damn wall. By the way, uh, let's hope that gets taken care of in the off season. Uh, and my next pick, I don't know if you know, you guys know I'm from New York. Uh, a lot of gambling happens in New York, and uh, I might have a tip. And I'm going to go with Michigan State over Iowa. Okay, so uh, book that one for me, Michigan State yes. for the series over Iowa. Yes. And on and, that note, if there are any student athletes listening to this podcast, don't, don't do it. Okay. Don't just, just stupid. don't this. We're not, this isn't about you. Don't involve yourself in gambling, please be, <laughs> save that till after you're out till after you graduate. <laughs> bet on horse racing and NASCAR and you're good. <laughs> so that's speaking I, of NASCAR. I don't know if you guys know this, but I went to my first car racing of any kind this past weekend. Okay. Bloomington nice. Speedway. Ooh. Oh, it was fun. I got to say, I felt like a real country uh, guy. No, I did <laughs> like it. It's it, it really cool. I'd never been to any kind of car racing, and I had a really good time. So, uh, yeah, they weren't allowed to bet on those, though. And I brought that up when I was at the place. Yeah. I'm like, how, how are you not able to bet on this? Like, you could bet on horses when you're at the horse race. But yep. uh, I'm going to go Michigan State again, maybe in just that kind of realm. <laughs> I But that did weigh on my mind of – uh, I don't know how long uh, there because it was what four baseball players. No, they're all dirty. Suspended. No, they're all they're all pretty dirty. No, but I, but I didn't know will they be back for this weekend? Will I don't know, but there's time there's any more that come out or yeah, it's a karma yeah. thing. Yeah, there's not I, been I any did. any official details as to what what it was, 
so we don't know yet no just a lot of guilt (laughs) (laughs) but i mean two of them are regular players so you you know it's it's it it can't just be it's got to be something somewhat i think it would have to be something serious if they were going to willingly hold uh, key players so but although if it's going to be against a team i guess ohio state's yeah that, that i guess that is that's the case but we'll we'll find out more in the future i suppose so yep. i did want to make a uh uh make one statement uh which is uh not nearly as pleasant as everything else um the indiana baseball family did have a loss recently um uh many of you are familiar with uh, tucker shank who played uh for the hoosiers um uh, up until recently um his mother passed away this past week um so that was a loss uh to the to the entire indiana baseball family um i just wanted to say that uh that the the shank family uh, is in our thoughts um all right uh that will do it uh for this edition of talking hoosier baseball um for uh, Josh Bennett, Cassidy Palmer, and Chris Feeney, I'm Carl James. And this weekend with a rivalry series, we will see you at the Barton.